begin with a question. What is the, the purpose for teaching and preaching? What is the purpose for teaching? What is the purpose for preaching? Yes. Anybody else? The main purpose <coughs> for teaching or preaching is impartation. So those of you who teach downstairs uh, and you go to the Bible when you read maybe a scripture or a story to the kids, that's not what teaching is. Although you should prepare, but the preparation is not just through the word. There are many, many churches, denominations, cults. They take the Bible, they'll take a story in the Bible, and they'll read it, they'll teach it. The story is okay. Reading from the scriptures we know is good. But there has to be something more. And the Spirit of God who has come and indwells us, he does that for various reasons, but when we come into the arena, so to speak, of preaching, teaching, and so forth, the main purpose for that is not to impart a story, it's not to impart some scripture, but it, there is an impartation of the Spirit to the person or people that are there. The word impartation, I want to talk about the impartation of the knowledge of God, the, the various means of that. To impart means to give, to di disclose, to communicate, to grant a part or a share in. So there is to be in spirit something that is imparted. So the means, I want to write this down here. of imparting the knowledge, just scribbling here, but I want to keep on moving, of God. There are three means that I have here. I believe there, there's probably some more, but there are certain means that God uses to impart the knowledge of God. One of them is communication. Now, communication, uh, and we're, we're going to look at some examples. Communication can be in various ways. So, <clears throat> whenever we communicate, we normally think of a verbal thing, and that can be true. But you can communicate in other ways other than verbally. But let's begin in Exodus 31. <clears throat> so remember this, that the, the purpose for all preaching and teaching is impartation. But not all preaching and teaching bring about the impartation that God is looking for or God desires. And I was actually thinking about this. You have many denominations where they have not come into a personal knowledge of God. They go to 
seminary, graduate school, and they'll learn about the, the, the Bible, they'll learn about their, their particular church history from a denominational standpoint, and they may even learn about the Greek or Hebrew text and, and different things like that. But if there is not initially in the life a relationship with the Lord, where now the Spirit of God is dwelling in them, then there may be an impartation of facts. There may be an impartation of some history related to a certain denomination or history related to some biblical fact. Or it can be an impartation of what the individual has learned in their life. And so you can go to a church and you go to some churches and they are dead, dead, dead. And of course, those that know the Lord, you can have a dead church also. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the deadness of the letter, the letter of the law, the letter of experience, the letter of what a person knows the letter of what they have studied themselves can all be dead letter. And that can be imparted. The Pharisees received the impartation of the letter of the law. And so when Jesus came, Jesus came in the power of the Spirit and with the words of the Father. And because they had received a different impartation, they had no room in them, most of them, for the impartation of the Spirit through Jesus Christ. And so the teaching brings out something, whether it be the dead letter or whether it is the Spirit and life that Christ desires and, and, and is. And so in Exodus, one of the means of impartation of the knowledge of God is seen here, and that's in communication. In Exodus 31, verse 12, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And then in verse 18, and when he had made an end of speaking with him on the Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So you had here a communication from the Lord to Moses, and then you had through Moses a communication of the knowledge of God to the Israelites. That was the way it was to work. So Moses received this impartation of the knowledge of God. Not just a commandment in stone, you understand. Moses, when he came down from the mount, his face shone. His face was lit up. The glory of God was upon him. There was an impartation there. But the impartation was not in the letter of the law. It was not in the commandments in stone. Although the commandments are good, 
The commandments can bring a person on. The commandments can move them toward a relationship, but the commandments in and of themselves, apart from an impartation, will be dead letter. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, just one verse here, Galatians 2, 2, and uh, I guess we should actually go back further. Verse 15, when, when it pleased God, this is Paul saying this, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach among the Gentiles. And then he goes down, verse 18, then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. And then he goes on here um, in verse 1 of chapter 2, and after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and so forth. And um, in verse 2, he says, And I went up, meaning to Jerusalem, by revelation and communicated to them that gospel. So you see, Paul here was in the, the wilderness, in the desert. And there was a time frame here, three years, and then was it 16, 14 14 years, where Paul was just not sitting around, he wasn't, so to speak, or he just wasn't doing his own thing. He had the Lord as his focus, and there was an impartation by the Spirit through Christ to him. And so when he goes up here in verse 2 to Jerusalem, he goes up by revelation... How did, he do, how did he go up by revelation? See, there was an impartation to him, and that impartation brought a revelation to him to go to Jerusalem, but not just to go to Jerusalem, but to go there and communicate something to them. And the communication here is what we're talking about. The communication that Paul had with them was not just, well, hi, how are you? Jesus died and rose. There was to be in the teaching, in the preaching, an impartation to the Galatian church. And of course, we know that that occurs. And so that was the purpose for the Spirit of God taking Paul up and out into Jerusalem in this instance here. Now, the communication can be through the written word. Most of our communication from the Lord has been through his written word. So you hear the word preached and, it, and you're listening, and now you're looking at the Bible here, and the Lord will communicate to you or impart to you something of the knowledge of God. And many times, many, many, many times, I have sat and the Lord has taken me to areas, other areas of the Bible than what is being even preached, and the Lord is communicating or imparting the knowledge of God. So he does that through, first of all, uh, he can do it through his word. And we're all familiar with this. We all have read the word of God, and you're reading something, all of a sudden it's almost like it leaps off the page, and it's like, whoa. And there it is. It jumps into your heart almost. It's like, oh, wow. And, you know, what takes place there? Well, there's some type of impartation of something there that you did not have before. 
but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached unto you, Peter says. And in Psalms it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word of God, the written word of God is extremely important. And as important as that is, let me add, that there must be, through the Spirit of the Lord, an impartation out from the written word. The written word alone, as I said earlier, many of the cults will take the same words, the same verses, the same thing from the Bible, and they'll quote it, they'll memorize it, they'll preach it, and it's just dead because there is no impartation of the Spirit. So um, one of the means of communication is the written word. The second is the spoken word. Turn to John 15. Okay, John 15, 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now when Jesus spoke, just like when Paul spoke, they had a background in the Old Testament scriptures. And so Paul, many times, the things he says, you can trace them back to some area of the Old Testament. So studying the scriptures and knowing the scriptures is important because the Lord can use that for you to, to give a spoken word to someone else so that the word of God comes out and that can speak to hearts, maybe not to every heart, but to the hearts in which that particular scripture, that word, is applying at that time. Now in John 17, and remember that uh, in, in Matthew, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is presently proceeding out of the mouth of God. He's not saying every written word. He's saying what is proceeding out of the mouth of God to you. See, there's an impartation of the Spirit to you. You see, that is what you live by. You're not going to live by what you... okay. Like people used to do years ago, they'd open the Bible to any page and they'll swing their arm around and go, boom, okay, now this is a scripture for me today. Or go to a promise box and pull a scripture out and say, this is a scripture for me today. Well, it might be okay to read it. It might be okay to even memorize it. But that does not necessarily mean that the Spirit of God is speaking that scripture or some particular truth from that verse to you now. See, the impartation is by the Spirit. He is the one who chooses what to give you, uh, what to say to you, what to impart to you today, tomorrow, the next day. You don't decide that. Somebody else doesn't decide that. Some promise box doesn't decide that. It's the Spirit of God who decides that. So in John 17, verse 8, For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. See, so there, there was an impartation of the Father to Jesus. And this was moving in the life of Christ since he was a young boy. And he was receiving and receiving from the Father. And, and the Lord was imparting truth, 
and different things to Christ. And so when he begins his earthly ministry, you see this where now the impartation that he had received comes out in various times. And so he walks past Peter, James, and John, and the others. He, he walks by, they're in the boat, and he says, follow me. So in that word there, the spoken word, there was to be an impartation, and the impartation being received by them, follow me, was enough to get them to drop their nets, to drop what they were doing, and to leave their father and to, to follow after Jesus at that time. So there was an impartation of the Spirit through the words of Christ right then and there to them, and that was the beginning of that, see. So he says here, For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. See, so there, it's not just believing this word here, the written word. There was, there was a spoken word there, and there was an impartation there to do or to function in a certain way. He was giving them what they needed at that particular time for the task that they had to do, the task involved. And the task involved for them was to drop what they were doing and to leave their father and their business. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. But see, an impartation of the Spirit brings with it the necessary things to do whatever is called for by you know, the word, the spoken word. And I'll read a verse from 1 Corinthians. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So the message preached is a communication of the knowledge of God through the spoken word. There's a communication there, see? The impartation of the knowledge of God. Now remember, the knowledge of God is not dealing with facts, you know. The knowledge of God is not, in my biblical studies, I have found God in the scriptures. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. But just studying or reading is not necessarily meaning the knowledge of God. Now, that may be a vehicle to bring the knowledge of God. But the knowledge of God is not facts about him. See, that's, that's not it at all. There is an inner knowing. There is in the individual something that has never been there before, and it's called the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God now initially brings us a knowledge of God in salvation. You know, you receive Christ, he comes to you, he lives in your heart. That is initially a part of the knowledge of God. And then from that point on, you know, we move forward. So he says in verse 9, look at verse 9 here. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So there, again, is an impartation of the spoken word in prayer here. Jesus prayed for them. Okay, so you have the communication in the written word, 
the spoken word, and then you have Christ, the living word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was. See, so the, there's a communication there, and that communication is through Christ, the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, so th there, there's an impartation through him, Christ, the living word. The living word. The living word. In... Um, John 5, John 5, verse 39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. That's what he says to those that are assembled there. You know, search the scriptures. In, the, in them you think ye have eternal life. You think. And they are they which testify of me, of me. So Jesus is saying once again that he is the living word. Now there's a verse here I want to read from Corinthians. It says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. And he says, I speak this to your shame. They did not have the knowledge of God. And I think the, the context there is the resurrection, I believe. And so he's saying, he's not saying that they didn't have a knowledge about God. He says they didn't have a knowledge of God. And of here expresses a connection. So we can know things about God. We can learn things about God. Anybody can. But that does not mean that the individual has a connection in their heart to the Lord. See, the knowledge of God, the word of, is referring to a connection. So the impartation of the knowledge of God to a Christian must first lie in this connection. That's where it will be found. So that if we are connected to him, and you might say, well, you know, I received Christ. Am I not connected? <clears throat> well, yes. But how are you living your life now? How are you walking with the Lord today? Are you obedient to his word? Are you moving in his will? Are you walking with him in the difficult place, whatever that may be for you? Well, if, if you are, then there is a connection between you and him. And if you are not, a person may be saved, they may go to heaven, but an understanding of the knowledge of God, they may not have that. They may just have the very basic, you know, Jesus Christ saved my soul and I'm going to heaven. That may be it for them. That's the, the, the basic thing there. But they don't have a knowledge of God related to his character. They may have a knowledge of God related to salvation. You know, you come to Jesus Christ, you're saved. But as far as his character and how... You know, you have to walk to have more of the character of Christ in you. That knowledge of God, many may not have. So it just depends on whether there is this connection or not. Go to, what do I do with my chalk? Oh, here it is. Okay, 
Go to John 14 again. So the first means of impartation of the knowledge of God is communication. The second is companionship. The companionship. What does it mean to have companionship with someone? Now in John 14, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? So the the key here in this verse is in the beginning, have I been with you so long? See, so there, there was to be this companionship between Philip and Jesus. Now, he walked with the Lord, which is quite something. He walked with the Lord while the Lord was in his earthly ministry. And people can be associated to some degree with the Lord even now, but yet not be with him. Maybe you don't understand that. See, in order for me to be with him, with the Lord, that means that I must go where he is and I must walk with him in the place that he has me to walk. Just like it says in John about being in the yoke. So I must go. If I'm going to be with Jesus as a Christian, I must find out where he is for me in my life. Where is he? And I must go there to be with him And then in that place, I must be yoked together with him, like an oxen, you know, two oxes, and they put the big wooden yoke between them, so that now they're both moving in the same direction. So Jesus is in the yoke, and he's moving this way. So if you're in the yoke with him, if he decides to turn and go this way, you're not going straight. You're going now along with him, because you're yoked together with him. And so being with him will entail knowing or a communication to you to a certain whatever it may be in your life that the Lord you know, wants you to do or wants you in, whatever it may be. So in the yoking, there is to be a companionship, you see. That is going to, to be the means of imparting the knowledge of God, another means. You walking with the Lord in the yoke, walking where he wants you to walk. And I'm talking about walking in spirit, not walking physically. You know, so the Lord may say, okay, I want you to do this or that. Or, you know, I don't want you to be involved in this or that. Whatever it may be, you have to be yoked with him in that. So that he may say, okay, this is all right for you now. And you're walking in that with him. And all of a sudden he stops. Well, he doesn't want you to keep on going. If you're yoked together, you won't. So now he says, okay, that was good for you for a time in your life, and I've been gracious and let you go. So now you're yoked with me. If you're going to be yoked with me, you're going to have this companionship. Now that for you is no longer the thing. We're going to go this way. And so if we can stay with him, yoked you know, with him, with the Lord, then there will be an impartation of the knowledge of God because we'll have this companionship with him. We'll be with him. Um, In Genesis 17, I want to show you this. 
There's a couple of scriptures here that I think are, are very good. In Kings and in Genesis. Hold your place in Genesis because we're going to go from Genesis 17 to Genesis 5. Uh, in Genesis 17, verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to, to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you. See, between me and you. I'm going to put my covenant there. So, so there is an invitation here to Abram to be in this companionship. So how, how is Abram going to remain in this companionship? Well, he's going to have to obey the Lord in this covenant, whatever the Lord is showing him to do. Take your son up to the mount, whatever it may be. It's not the law, because the law wasn't written yet. See, it's what the Lord was communicating. Then, then he, he's going to walk with the Lord, and there's going to be a companionship. He's going to keep the covenant. And when he does that, we can see, as, as the chapters roll on here after chapter 17, that there's an impartation of the knowledge of God to Abraham. See, if you want the knowledge of God, he will impart that to you. But we must be willing to hear the communication, and we must be willing to be a companion with the Lord. Now, hold your place in Genesis and go to uh, 2 Kings. 2 Kings 23. Now, this uh, chapter 23 is referring to to chapter 22, of course, it's dealing with King Josiah. King Josiah was one of the few kings that followed the Lord. There was a handful of them. But he was one that uh, pretty much followed the Lord. In verse 1, Now the king sent them uh, to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in, the hearing all the, in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. So at this particular time, it was lost. It wasn't around. They didn't know where it was. They weren't looking for it. But they found uh, the word of God again. So he takes this and begins to read it. Verse 3, Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. In the King James, it says to walk, uh, to walk with the Lord, or to walk, no, it's, uh, you, it says to walk after the Lord. The word after here, I'll write this over here. In the King James, it says after. The New King James says follow, and actually the word after, after here means to, to follow, or you could say to follow a person, to follow after, or whatever. So, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul. So, Josiah here walked after the Lord. The next part uh, of the verse says, and all the people 
took a stand, or I should do it this way. Let's put it down this way. They stood. Okay. So the people took a stand, or they stood. Josiah is walking after or following. You see the difference? So if I stand here, that is different. I mean, it says something. But if I begin to follow, that's something a little different. Now turn to Genesis 5. Chapter 5, verse 22. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and was not. Now, what I want you to see in that verse is that Enoch walked with God. So this is showing me three different things. Now, of course, we are to take a stand for the Lord, but that should lead to following. That should lead to, go, to following after or going after him. But the word with, Enoch walked with God, that means nearness together with. So that's even something further or closer, if you will. So a, a Christian, you, I, anyone, can take a stand for the Lord in their life. Okay, I'm going to obey the covenant. I'm going to obey the Lord. And that's good. That's a great place to be. That's a great start taking a stand for him in my life. But like Josiah, he says, I am going to follow after. So now there's one, the people took a stand, but he's going further. He's going to follow after the Lord. So there's the Lord. I see the Lord. Okay, I'm going to follow after you. Oh, you okay, Lord, you're over here. Okay, okay. Oh, no, now I'm going to follow after you, Lord. But I like what it says of Enoch. Enoch, walked with God in nearness together with him. So why the difference? Why the difference? Well, because of this word here, companionship. Some people want to be with the Lord for a little while. Some can only tolerate the Lord around so long. And you say, that's not true. Why doesn't the Lord, why isn't he around all the time with us? Well, he's with us, yes. But what I'm talking about is something different. Well, because sometimes Christians in their mind or in their heart or where they are, they need a break from it all. They need a break from the Lord. There are many who take a stand for the Lord. There are those who follow after the Lord. But I believe the Lord wants to bring the Christian through this companionship. Enoch walked with God to this closeness, to this nearness of relationship that is not found in taking a stand or stood. It's not found in just even following after. It's something more. It's further on. In uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, now, I want you to hold your place in Ephesians. We're going to come back here. Ephesians 1, 9, having made known to us. Okay, well, what's that? 
Well, that's an impartation of the knowledge of God. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. How? Because of companionship. See, you will never find the will of God for your life if there's not companionship there between you and him. If there's not some type of closeness, you will never find the will of God. You'll never see it. You'll never move in it. In John 17, it says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So Jesus sanctified himself, so that whenever a Christian comes and walks with him, in this companionship, that they will be sanctified by the truth. So it's, it's, it's the thing that you know, moves on from the Lord to the Christian, and then from one Christian it can move on to another Christian. The influence there, the companionship. And the third, I have to hurry up here, the third means of imparting the knowledge of God is revelation. Revelation. Let's just go to one scripture in closing. In Ephesians 1, start at verse 15. There is a great need to be enlightened by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I see a great need in the church. Not, not just here, but I mean universally. There is this enlightened, enlightenment by the knowledge of God, by the, uh, the wisdom and revelation of God that in many places is lacking and for various reasons you know many are interested more in you know entertainment and things like that than they are in the Lord but in these verses in closing I believe that Paul here is talking about this impartation of the knowledge of God in various ways you know we all because we have come to Christ he has imparted to us the salvation. And so we have a knowledge of God uh, in that. But salvation is just not something initially. The word salvation is a broad term that encompasses the whole work of God, of Christ, uh, that can be done in, in a man, in a woman. And so Paul here is talking about an impartation of the Spirit. Verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mentioning of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now I wish I had more time to look at this, because Paul is saying here, there's five things dealing with the impartation of the knowledge of God. Um, he's, he's talking about the spirit of wisdom and revelation, okay, and then he goes on about your eyes being enlightened. And this is, the, there's two places I mentioned last week, we looked at the one last week in Ephesians, this is the second one that has this optative mood verb. And the optative mood verb, I want to read this for you, it's the strongest possible desire for an action to occur in which the completion of such is doubtful. So when Paul is going to say what he says here in verse 17, 18, and 19, he's saying, he's not saying that you just have some idea of the, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, and so forth, the eyes being enlightened, 
that you may know the hope of his calling and the richness of his glory. He's not saying that you have some idea. He's talking about the spirit of that, and that means that there is a much greater degree, and I don't know how, what degree that would be for a person, but there is a much greater degree of that in a person uh, and he says in, in chapter 3, is it, he talks about the fullness of God, you know, being in the individual. And so he says here, he uses this verb. Now, Paul doesn't use just any mood. He does, when he says something, it's in the proper mood. So if I say to you, I am in front of the church jumping, that's, that's a uh, present participle. It's a continual action. I'm using that word for a reason, because I'm jumping. So he doesn't just use any verb. He uses the verb that's going to portray and say what he wants to say. And he's saying, that even though I desire this to be in the people, that the chances of that being in most is doubtful. In most. Maybe... It'll just be a few. So he says here in that the verb there is translated in may give in that verse. That the God of our Father, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit, the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the, and in the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling for you and what are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in you, in the saints. And if we had more time, we could take these things. Like I said, there's five. And Paul is just not talking about having some understanding of them. He's talking about an impartation of the knowledge of God in these things so that it totally affects our lives. So we are not the same, and we move and we function differently than we ever have. And the Spirit of God, and I believe here that it relates to this. Remember, the people stood, but Josiah went after, but Enoch was with. Enoch walked with God. See, there's a closeness, there's a nearness that was missing in the people here in Kings and even was missing in Josiah the king. He, it was good, he was following after. But the closeness that we see with Enoch was not there. And I believe there's a relationship between walking with God like Enoch did. This just doesn't mean you walk with God, you're a Christian, you're walking with God. No, it doesn't mean it. It's something more, it's something fuller, it's something greater. Enoch walked with God in this nearness of relationship. And Paul here in Ephesians 1, when he says this, I believe he's talking about something much, much further on than most have, than most have. But remember, there is always hope. There is always hope. If we desire to walk in the past the Lord has desired for us, he will bring us into to more than we ever thought. But we must be faithful, and we must be yoked together in the yoke with Christ. Uh, if he's ever going to bring a greater fullness 
of his character of himself to you and I as Christians. That's what we were going to have to do. So I'll stop and leave you with that.